Hello, guys. This, today is a big episode. You know why? Because it has finally been a year since we started doing this little shindig. Uh, I love the the promo we had. Or what did, remember you put together that clip? Oh yeah, that was awesome with uh, Ric Flair going woo woo. Um, you know, you just had the Toy Story and a lot of different things. But yeah, man, it's been a year already, and uh, I can't believe I'm saying this, but. This is uh, the life right here. I don't want it any other way. This, These two guys right here, these are the guys that I love talking sports, wrestling, everything with. And uh, I just want to ask you guys, how has it been? How has the year been? It's been fun. <laughs> couple giggles about uh, some couple, stupid uh, things. A couple like stupid predictions this guy's yeah, made. Yeah. Holy Brock Lesnar money in the bank. Brock party. Brock party. Didn't you say that before? You're like, you should come out like this? Yeah. Oh, and my I God, said, that's crazy. Watch Brock win the Money in the Bank. He did that. He just didn't cash it in on the SmackDown on Fox, but he did win a title on Fox. He beat Kofi. That still counts. That's well. it. I'll give you full marks for that stuff. <laughs> and then what else did you say? Oh, yeah, the Blue Jackets are going to sweep Tampa Bay. And we just were like, all right, sure. Yeah, torts. <laughs> First period. First period of game one, Tampa's up 3 nothing. It's like... Come on, Alino. And then it happened. it happened. And then that was voted for that series. Yeah, yeah that's basically <laughs> it. I mean, uh, we wanted to say the Raps would win. I, mean, I remember in the Paul, we're like, yeah, we want them to win, but they're not. And, of course, the injury bug happened, and they actually won a championship. So with year one under our belts, we have a Toronto team actually win a championship, which is actually I'm, – I'm still, I'm still kind of puzzled. Because I never thought the Raptors in a million years with the Golden State Warrior team that they had, they'd win a championship. But, you know, a lot of people are already writing us off. So without further ado, let's get into it. Tonight is the beginning of a new NBA season. The Raptors are actually trying to defend their title. First time ever. Are you guys excited for tonight? Pascal Siakam just signed a monster extension. That's my first question. Does he deserve it? I think he deserves it. You know, there will be people out there that thinks... uh He's still young and there's still a lot to prove, but this is kind of how it goes after you just win a championship. You extend your stars and uh, it just helps that he's not, he hasn't been in the league for a long time. He's still an up and coming player and this is the guy you want to build the future around. So for me, this makes sense. Yeah, it makes sense. He's not 30, in his 30s, so it's a good contract for him. He's still in his 20s, still young, still developing, which is great for the Raptors. And they're unveiling a banner tonight, which is going to hit everybody that, you know what, they are the champs last year. So that's going to be a little odd seeing. Um, championship banner and HD, by the way, not in the Leafs, uh, black and white quality, but those banners. Banner, <laughs> Scotiabank Arena. Tonight. It's gonna, Yeah, it's going to be fun. Um, a lot of people talking about Siakam's contract, they're kind of like, why would we give him a max if he hasn't really proven to be as consistent a score as he was last year? The simple answer is he's a winner. He won the G League MVP. He won them that title. And then he comes up, ascends. And yes, we had Kawhi Leonard, like basically the MVP. But Siakam, he's just a horse, man. Everything he does, his athleticism, his stamina is just probably at the top of the league. I'd say him, Westbrook, De'Aaron Fox, these guys, they're just athletes. They don't run out of we're not a breath like I'm seeing Siakam like play and this guy never looks tired never looks out of it so I think Siakam's contract is perfect he's definitely the number one guy for this team going forward and Nick Nurse said that he could see him averaging around 22 points this year do you guys see that a big increase like that six points I can see that yeah definitely. now my next question is 
Kyle Lowry, we just signed him to a $31 million one-year deal. Is it safe to say that the Raps may be moving on from Kyle Lowry and inserting Fred Van Fleet into that starting role sometime this season? It's possible, but now Lowry has two years left on his deal instead of one because he was coming into this year being his last, but they gave him a big contract. Little, uh... I don't know what to make of it. It's a lot of money for a guy that age and with his performance. But if they can move on from him, maybe and Fred Van Vliet could take over this year, then maybe next summer we could see him traded somewhere else. I think even this year, too, because how old is he now? 34 years old. And yeah. He's got injury problems. Uh, it is a lot for a guy like Lowry, but I can see him like even maybe not playing, every, maybe like sitting every other game because he is getting up there in age. He doesn't have to doesn't have to fall all on his shoulders because Van Fleet is ready to take over. So the money's not a big deal to me. The term's not that long. So if you can just kind of like Kawhi played, what, 60 games? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think Lowry can go 50 to 60. He can get, you know, healthy and should be good. I mean, now, like, we're talking about veterans. Talking about Lowry's 34, Abaka's, I think, 31. And then you have Gasol, who's 35, I think. Uh, the big core there, they, you know, they're a big part of this Raptor team. We saw it in the postseason when Abaka wasn't on, Gasol was on. When Gasol wasn't on, Abaka was on. They both kind of, like when one was slumping, the other one was just getting the job done. I think that's what the big part of the championship run was, was when someone else wasn't performing, they just were like, okay, don't worry, uh, you're having a bad game, I'll just step up. So out of these three guys, I feel like Abaka's the one that might leave I just feel like this core, it's too good to be true. There's a lot of money that's invested in these three. And I feel like Masai, I think he knows that we're not in win now. Like, we still can win, but I don't see us beating, like, the Lakers, the Clippers, the Sixers. Yeah, like, we're, we're coming into this year as the defending champs, but, again, the expectations are not super high. Like, they've been the last four years where we've gotten 55 wins but, again, I do see Masai getting rid of Ibaka. Do you guys agree? I, I just I see it happening. I don't know why. I just see it happening. It's possible. Like, you see the teams out there, maybe Houston, want to have Westbrook, Harden, and Ibaka back together again. Or a team even who's desperate later on in the year when injuries start piling up and a team that really wants to make a big push on the West. That would make sense. I wouldn't trade them in the Eastern Conference because I don't think you can even really get much from them. At this point, with all those teams relying on duos like Boston and uh, Brooklyn, so I don't think that would be a good match. But if you can trade them out west, maybe Houston, you can get some players off their team. Now moving forward, not talking about the Raps. We're just going to talk about straight facts. We had a lot of shit happen in the NBA this offseason. Kawhi left. A lot of players just switched around, went to different teams. I'm not going to mention all of them, way too many guys. Is it safe to say that the NBA is probably the most competitive it's been since, like, 2011? Uh, it really seems that way because every other year it's like Golden a, State. It's like a refresh. <laughs> and then there's, like, huge free agents go to new teams and then these super teams form. And it seems to happen every other year now. So it is very exciting, yeah. I think Golden State can actually make another run. Like, if D'Angelo Russell pans out for them and they don't trade him at the deadline, They'll have Draymond Green healthy, Steph Curry still there, D'Angelo Russell. And then when Klay Thompson comes back for the playoffs, they have him. So that's still a big four. And they have Willie Cauley-Stein. Yeah. So 
got potential, but I still would trade D'Angelo Russell at the deadline, even though whatever, it's a dick move, but who cares? You trade him at the deadline for another star who has like three years left on his deal, and you can have those four run it again. I don't know if I would trade D'Angelo Russell. I don't know why. Just it's so risky too because now that Draymond's height went down two spots because yeah. the whole height they changed all the heights, which is thank God because Kevin Durant is not six eight. He's seven feet tall. And, uh, yeah, um, D'Angelo Russell, to me, could be better than Klay Thompson this year. I've been watching D'Lo, and uh, he has a shot that could be around the same as Trey Young. Like, this guy, when he's making threes, he's not missing. And, uh, yeah, you know what? I'm ver- you know what? I'm very happy the Lakers dealt D'Lo because this guy is looking like he could be one of the best point guards in the game is he even a point guard? I'm he's probably a shooting guard. I'm not really sure. But now having two guys again, D'Lo will drain the threes. Curry will drain the threes. Draymond will play that elite defense. You have Willie Cauley-Stein, who's still kind of a red flag. But Clay, if he comes back in like April, May, and he's the same Clay that he's been, I don't disagree with uh, with Alino's statement at all. But I just want to talk about tonight's game. We got the Pelicans, a completely different team now. Because last year they were they had Davis, they had Randall, they had a bunch of different guys. Now they have Zion, who's I wish him a speedy recovery, six to eight weeks. He's out um, torn meniscus, and then of course they have it's Drew's team, Uncle Drew. They have Drew as the captain, and then you have Lonzo, Josh Hart, Brandon Ingram. Should the Raps be scared tonight about this Pelicans team? Mm, I think they can win tonight, but going forward, I think the Pelicans are a playoff team in the West. And I, from like the Lakers or the Clippers, I'd watch out because this team's been playing together and they've been growing together on the Lakers last year. Uh, Lonzo Ball, Hart, Ingram, and now you're adding Zion to that mix. They can be a dangerous opponent, whoever they're matched up with. So for now, I wouldn't be too worried about them. But after January, once they gel together with uh, Drew Holiday and Zion, when he's in the mix, that's going to be when they're really a problem. It's a pretty solid opening game to start the year. It is. Yeah, like two teams they plan that for sure. A lot of parity going around both those teams. Yeah. I think I think that's why they did it, because there's a lot of publicity around Zion and Lonzo and Ingram mm-hmm. and the whole move. And then you have Siakam and this new, this new rap team. And then, of course, you have arguably probably the biggest game of the year on the first night, the Clippers and the Lakers, Kawhi versus LeBron. Or sorry, Kawhi and Paul George versus LeBron and AD, the two biggest. Oh yeah, he is out. Okay, well you got you know who you got? You got Sweet Lou. Yeah. You got Pat Bev. Yeah, they're they're a solid team, man. You know what's gonna happen though? Kawhi's gonna do what he did all the other year. It's gonna be himself tonight. He's gonna take them all out. I don't know why. I feel like tonight Kawhi's gonna drop like forty five. Yeah. I don't know why. I have that feeling. And LeBron's gonna drop like eighteen. <laughs> He's gonna shut them all down. Kawhi's town, but LA. expectations for that game tonight, Pinello. Who do you have winning that? Lakers, Clippers. Actually, you know what? I'm actually gonna do an overall all year. Who do you think's gonna be the better team by season's end? Ooh, I'm gonna go. Uh, I'm on the bandwagon with the Clippers. We'll stick with that. Kawhi <laughs> and Paul George healthy. That's. Uh, Yikes, that's scary. Because Paul George was third in MVP voting last year. I'm fond of Pat Bev, too. Yeah, fucking I like rat. Him. I like him. <laughs> <Yeah>. A truculent <laughs> player. Yeah, he's fucking solid. Um, 
Okay, other than that, um, just want to finish off. Giannis won last year. James Harden, 36 points a game last year. MVP, when that name comes out, who comes out, who comes out, who comes to mind? MVP going into this year for the NBA. Is it Giannis again? It's tough. Maybe him. He does have a shot, obviously, but he's probably the front runner because he's definitely the best player in the East right now with Kevin Durant out all year and Kawhi gone. But if you're looking at the West, Russell Westbrook has a lot to prove. Maybe he comes up and has a big year with Harden. Uh, Anthony Davis, I don't see LeBron winning. He'll probably be like somewhere in the mix, but I think Davis will have a better year. And Kawhi Leonard, if he plays all year like they're saying he will. <laughs> Kawhi Leonard. <laughs> I think he's going to add another MVP, this time the regular season, to his trophy case. I hope so. Yeah, Giannis. Yeah. You're going with Giannis to, re- to repeat? <laughs> I really am. You know who I'm going to go with? <laughs> I'm going to go with the guy that should have won it last year, James Harden. 36 points last year, didn't win it. You know what? This guy's probably the best offensive player I've ever seen. Just give it to James Harden this year because what him and Westbrook are probably going to do is scary. Don't be surprised if they finish first in the West, Houston, because everyone's like, oh, it's the Clippers, the Lakers, and the Nuggets, top three. It's like, oh, well, you're forgetting Utah and you're forgetting Houston, who are absolutely incredible teams. So I'm going to say Harden. I'm going to go with the offensive guy this year. Another guy that I actually want to – no one's been giving this guy – Steph Curry. No one's been giving this guy love at all. He's going to get more touches. He's probably going to get more shots unless they give it all to D'Lo, which I I wouldn't be surprised. But, but yeah, Steph Curry, I, I wouldn't be surprised this guy drops like 30 a game. He's I love just, it. You're overrated for so long and then you're underrated after. Well, yeah, because no, one, no one's talked about this guy for like a year. It's like, Jeff oh, Kevin Durant yeah. comes to the team. Okay, who cares about Steph Curry? What? They had to worry about giving Durant the ball, make him happy, because oh, he might leave us. So, Curry, can you give him a few more passes? Now, you, this year. Do you know why he goes from overrated to underrated? Because he's probably the most humble superstar in the league. There yeah, it is. I like it. But that's it for NBA. Now we got to move on to, let's see what we got. Probably the NHL. It's the NHL. Uh, we're going to talk about the Leafs. Last week, John Tavares went down. Would he break his finger? Yeah, it said two weeks. Two originally. weeks. What are your thoughts on this injury? <laughs> it sucks. <laughs> I mean, does does this mean that we're not getting Willie at center? So Kerfoot's going to be second line. You said Kerfoot's better on the wing. I think so. Yeah. So why why don't you think they put Nylander Kerfoot? I just don't think they trust Willie at center. Yeah, it's very easy to look at all that talent and be like, oh, just move Buddy over from the wing to center. <laughs> get, get in there. But, uh, yeah, Kerfoot's a natural center, so I think they're more confident in him. And, you know, Babs, he doesn't really mess with lines unless he really has to. So if he's going to keep Willie and Austin together, then I think that's the plan for him. It's just, I don't know, like, because Kerfoot, he's, to me, obviously, well, you're not touching Tavares Matthews. That's the one-two all year. Kerfoot's not going to be on the second line, but I would kind of mix that up. I'd maybe put Kerfoot on the second line as a wing. I want to see, because he has speed. His IQ is there. I mean, center, I don't even know what his faceoff percentage is. Uh, I'd, I'd want to say around 45. That's the average center. But would you not put Spets a second line? Oh, that's not anymore. No way. Eh? 
it's tough because you look at the name and oh, it's Jason Spezza and he, he still hasn't left, but really like the last couple of years, it's it's been a massive decline. That, He's very good on that fourth line. I think he fits perfectly there. Though. How about Trevor Moore? Did, he's never played center before? I think in the Marlies, maybe, but... That's the problem with this Tavares injury, man. It's just, we're so, like... You look at, okay, you have Matthews and Tavares, and then Kerfoot, maybe, and then Spezza and Gauthier, and it's like, we need Kadri right now. Like, <laughs> like pretty... But again, it's two weeks. It shouldn't be that long, but... Overall, what have your expectations been on Mikheyev and Trevor Moore? Because to me, they're the two most surprising guys on this team. Can you see them at any point during the year leapfrog Kasperi Kapanen in terms of long-term role with the team? Uh, yeah, we're kind of seeing it now. They temporarily been leapfrog, but I've been saying about Mikheyev, he reminds me of Nikolai Kuleman. <laughs> like, uh, very similar. He just kind of he's a good two-way guy. He goes out there. He's on the penalty kill. He plays with speed. He's got a good shot. I love him when he's out there. He's 6'4". It's like he's skating downhill the whole time. I love that guy. I don't care where he plays. <laughs> I'm on board with him. Yeah, big fan of him. He's going to leapfrog Kapanen. and Kapanen will probably be gone. I want to see Goche, Timoshov, and Mikheyev on the same line. Get those two monsters together, skating around. Truculent play. Something that Babcock would like. Maybe not Dubas, but would be fun to watch. Another thing I want to quickly discuss, I'm looking at the stats here, and um, yeah, more people have to score for the Leafs. Austin Matthews is in first with goals with eight, and then second is Marner, Tavares, Mikheyev, and Nylander, all with three. <laughs> so <laughs> I know Matthews is our goal scorer, but come on. <laughs> we, need, we need more from everybody, just a little more. Um, but... A lot of people have actually been, when I've been watching Leafs Lunch, looking at articles, a lot of people are still bashing Morgan Riley. He's got like 11 and 9 games, I think. But what are your guys' thoughts on Riley's season? I I understand why people are bashing him, but I, I still don't understand why everyone's saying, oh, he's been a flat-out disapp- <laughs> flat disappointment. What are your guys' thoughts on Riley's play? I know you said his defensive game has not been as good. But is that basically it? Is that the only flaw? I mean, you look yeah, at last that, year and he had 70-plus points, and it was kind of a breakout, so everyone's expecting him to like a world-beater this year. But the points will be there because he's an offensive D and he plays with amazing players. But, yeah, he's, he's just been fine. He hasn't really stood out. He's kind of done with like a, a fifth-pairing or a third-pairing D. His kind of dream is to just kind of like settle in and not be noticed. That's kind of what he's been doing. Uh that's not okay. He's been fine though. Like it's not like he's been bad. And he's been a liability, but like I think he's been fine. He's gonna get better as the year goes on. Yeah, for sure. He also plays with CC. That uh, that helps. Yeah. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Lino. Alino, what are your thoughts on uh, on Cody CC? Get him out. It's only one year, so it's get okay. him out. <laughs> it's okay, but thank God that Zaitsev have trade. It's basically like you bought out the one year of CC. Just to take them on, but you get rid of six extra after that. Yeah, so. I don't know how that went through. That was good. All right. Um, moving forward, how many points? We've seen a – this is a bounce back for Nylander. It's safe to say he's had a training camp. He looks great. How many points do you guys expect for Willie? And is this contract looking like a steal now? 
basically when you're comparing all the contracts that have been signed in the offseason, you're looking at Nylander's play compared to guys like Kyle Connor and compared to other guys, would you say that this is a steal in the long run? I don't know if it'll be a steal, but uh, I think it'll be well worth it. I think this is perfect for Nylander. I think when you look at all the contracts on the Leaf, this could be the biggest bargain. Just because everyone's so overpaid. And then you so, go down. Well, yeah, I mean, to me, it's there's no comparison. It's Riley. When you look yeah, at, yeah. like, the contract, it's like it's kicking five, really? All right? It's like if you look at Marner's deal, it's not like, oh, it's, that's never going to be a bargain. He could live up to that. Same with Matthews. Yeah. Never going to be a – never. I think Nylander, that's it, – it's looking like a sweet deal. There yeah. I mean, like, even guys like Janssen right now, he's got seven points. He's been pretty good the last couple games. Was he at 3.25, I think? He's not getting that much money, but – I'm actually very interested to see what Trevor Moore wants to do after this year if he sticks on the team because I know he has one year left. and He's been playing out of this world. So do you think the Leafs can maybe try trading him at the deadline? I know like he's the type of player you don't want to see leave, but he might have to. Yeah. Uh, fuck. They got Dermot coming back. And like, Hyman coming back. I think Dermot's like – like right around the corner though he's first yeah he yeah he's yeah he's coming back soon that's that's what almost uh they gotta make a move when he comes back because he's on ltir right now i'll say nick shores that move or timoshov (laughs) maybe timoshov so i've been hearing patan actually because they were saying they wanted to trade him yeah but like it could be a lot sooner than people think because like once hyman and dermot come back that the moves will be forced and then maybe guys will be sent down or moved out we'll see I just, like, I don't know. Like, a lot of guys love Hyman. Like, they love Hyman. You need Hyman. But, like, then there's this guy like Trevor Moore coming up. And it's like, damn it. You're so good. Where did you come from? Now we got to make a decision. This is why I, like, I love Freddie. He's he's done wonders. He's improved his game. But sometimes you just look at the lineup. And to me, I just look at it. Sorry, man. You have, you're, you don't belong in the line. I love Freddie. He's been great. Maybe solidify yourself on that fourth line center. It's between you and Spezza all year. Battle that out. But when guys like Hyman come back and Dermot come back, it's between Goat, Spezza. These guys have to battle. And uh, I don't like – I'm not a big Freddie fan. When when I look at the lineup, I don't really see him being that – but, like, he's been amazing on that fourth line. And when guys like O-Dog praise you, that's saying something. So – Right now, for Trevor Moore, I'm excited for his development. He's been amazing. But I don't know what's going to happen when Hyman comes back. If you're a GM, would you actually possibly trade Hyman? Because uh, Moore well, is I'll younger. Have a heart attack if that happens. Well, because <laughs> I, I, know, I know Babcock would have a heart attack. But like, I, I feel like Moore is that similar player. He's younger. And Dubas, he's gonna, he's, he has to make a decision. I mean, come on. You can't always be going to Babcock. And all these other guys. He's what, 29 now, 30? Dubis. He's he's young. He's so so now you got to make your own decisions. And uh, damn it, I want to see Zach Hyman gone. If they do that, oh my God, Babcock will be like, I don't want Spitz here, and I put him in the lineup, and you're trading Hyman. We're gonna fight right now. <laughs> and then you want to trade Kapanen? I mean, I'm not gonna have a penalty kill. Mitch Marner and Matthews on the penalty kill. They're gonna play 25 a night. That'd be a good one up from Dubis, though. Like, you, we got Spets and you put him on opening night as a scratch. We wanted him here. We know you didn't want him here. And now I'm going to take one of your favorite players. I'm going to trade his ass, show you who's boss. 
That's like the Leafs getting Brent Burns in two years and not playing him against the Sharks. What the fuck? Brent Burns dip. Like Spezza dip, though. Okay, no, but like, you know what I mean, no though. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, similar. he's that important to the. Or, okay, no. Sorry. Let me. Uh, so it's like we got Thornton. Hey. And it's like, oh. <laughs> You're facing the shark. Oh, you know what, Joe? You're not good enough, though. You're not going to play. You're going to be up Martin. there, but... Marlowe's not playing the Sharks tonight. <laughs> yeah, like, I just... Uh, I still don't understand why Spencer didn't play, but I guess that was Babs' decision. So, I don't know. I love Trevor Moore. I think uh, the Leafs have to sign him. So, if I was the GM, I would make a move and make Moore stay. That's my opinion. But uh, moving forward, we got Jack Hughes... Finally, finally, the pressure's off. Everyone's saying he's a butt. He's a bust. Has a scored in eleven games. He sucks. It's confirmed. Let's just say that the first two picks have not been good. Alino did this whole capocaco ninth overall best wingers, and this guy's one point in eleven games, That's six funny. shots on goal. <laughs> <laughs> you know, okay. You know who his line mates have been, and this is why he's been fucking awful, Kako. Boone Nevis and Brendan Lemieux are his line mates on the third line. Yeah, see? Boone Nevis. Boone Nevis. (laughs) And Brendan Lemieux. And you know how much I hate Brendan Lemieux. Not a good player. Not offensive at all. (laughs) I don't care if I'm bashing him. This is our pod. I really don't care. You can listen to it. (laughs) I don't care. Um, Capocacco to me has probably been more disappointing than Jack Hughes. Not gonna lie, uh, I have him in fantasy. Minus, he's, he's like a minus five. He's that's got, why. That's the only. That's reason. why. That's why. No. I have him too. Okay, but they're both playing on the third line, and everyone's screaming, "Oh my god, these guys are gonna be sixty-seven points, seventy points first year." It's like, well, you got to pump the brakes. They haven't played a game yet, and now we're finally seeing why the hockey news always projects rookies to get forty. It's like, you know what? That's smart. Whoever wrote that, thank you so much. You're being realistic. Jack Hughes has one point. Capocacco has one point. So this is my question to you two. Who gets more points at season's end? And who will have the better career? What a fucking TSN question. <laughs> the quiz. Here we go. I feel like O-Dog or like Bob McKenzie hates that shit. Oh, well, he does. I'll give you year's end. I'm not going career. <laughs> and I'm going to go Jack Hughes. Gets a few more points. Capo Caco. Capo Caco easily. <laughs> easily. He's going to turn it on. He's going to just light it up. You watch. <laughs> it's coming. That's a warning for it's Malino. Coming. So you know it's coming. Um, how about Kale McCarr? No one talks about this guy enough. I mean, I've, when I talk about rookies, I just think of, you know, Jack, Caco. Kale McCarr might be the Calder favorite right now. He's got nine and ten games and... When you're on that top power play with McKinnon, life is pretty good. So uh, what are your expectations for Kale McCarr moving forward? Pinello. I expect him to get a fuck ton of assists and be uh, the John Carlson to Nate McKinnon's Alex Ovechkin. There it is. Because that's when I watch that power play, that's basically what it is. McCarr controls the top, go to McKinnon, and it is just magical what those two can do together when they're on that man advantage. So... Yeah, uh, I expect him to be right in the, the mix with a lot of premier defensemen, be around maybe 45, 50 points. And uh, just got to develop that two-way game, go from there. Now, I know he's no Shane Gostas bear. He's better. I know that. 
But when you have to compare rookie seasons, can you see Kale McCarr kind of putting a similar rookie season together as a Ghost did? Because Ghost put up 43 and like 65, and everyone's like, who the hell is this little twerp on Philly (laughs) in the back end blasting these shots, looking like Tory Krug? Guy's from Florida. He's not going to be anything. (laughs) What was he, a fourth round? I don't even know. Yeah, yeah, third or fourth rounder in 2012. Mind you, that's a pretty bad draft. Yeah. So, I don't know. Like, my expectations for Kale McCarr, I want to say 60 points. Not this year, but I just mean consistently. I see him as that offensive guy. Kind of like a Morgan Riley. He could be like that player. He's that explosive. But, man, Kale McCarr, I don't know what it is. This guy, he gives me Eric Carlson-type feels when I watch him. And I remember last year, this guy was over. We watched... uh, Colorado um it was their first it was his first game with Colorado in the playoffs Calgary Calgary. he played like 21 minutes (laughs) had an assist I think he had a goal and an assist in his first game and this guy's just explosive is it too far-fetched to say he can't win the Calder is that a stupid is that a stupid thing to say I think he's in the mix with the guys you mentioned before would you say he's on a bit of a higher level than Quinn Hughes when you compare D, or would you say they're around the same type of player? I think I would give Makar the slight edge, but you know they're pretty similar player. Like if you look at their power play quarterbacks, yeah, like they can get around the same amount of points, and then it'll be going on for oh, who's better, this guy or this guy? Like you can do it around the league with really anyone. You take like look at the draft class, but. Yeah, I think they're basically the same player. Just Makar's right-handed, so he'll get more love because that's a thing all of a sudden. <laughs> it always has been, yeah, apparently. But, uh, yeah, two very good young players. I think Quinn will be in the mix as well. This is going to be a fun rookie class. You still think Kako's winning it, though. Yeah, but the other – I don't know. I think with Makar and Quinn Hughes, they're probably expected to do better points-wise because of where they are in their development. But I just think – Jack Hughes and Kapokako are going to be the front runners at the end of the year. Yeah, I I can see that as well. Um, I just want to quickly, I don't want to throw names at you guys because that's kind of like I put you guys, I always put you guys kind of on the spot. But uh, any any surprises really from like any other team other than the Leafs this year? I know Rue Pence has been amazing. When I watched the first game, he looked better than Sagan. I'm not even going to lie. Um, yeah, any any surprises? Alino, I'll start with you. Jamie Ben, what's wow. he up to? Nothing. Nothing still, eh? <laughs> Nothing. He's been a surprise. Like what? Like not doing? Yeah. Like for a guy who has to like <laughs> oh, oh, oh. just elevate his game from last year, what they did in the playoffs, and he's nowhere to be found. Uh, he's so he's do, he's going on the negative side. Yeah. yeah. I'm going with the positive side. <laughs> so honestly, David Posternock, because yeah, everyone yeah. knows how good he is. And I, I probably expect the number that most people expect, but just the way he's started the season. He's had multi-point games every game this year, and he looks like a, you know, like the second, <laughs> the pat, like when it's going to guys like McKinnon and Ovechkin and there's that one second of, oh shit, right before he winds up. I feel that with Pasternak now. I feel like he's one of those premier guys in the league, and I just fucking hate watching him play the Leafs because we always know he's going to light us up. And 
like tonight? Yeah, you're looking a young, consistent goal scorer going forward. Well, just to bring up this guy's point, on Thanksgiving Monday, beautiful day, by the way, uh, I'm fucking at the kitchen table, and uh, every update is Pasternak scoring. Pasternak, 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 Pasternak. My dad looks at me, he's like, oh, that Pasternak guy, he's, uh, he's pretty good, eh? I'm like, yeah, fuck you. You took him 24th overall in a shitty draft. And then, you, know what he, you know who he brings? You know who he has the nerve to bring up? He's like, oh, well, I guess Calgary did pretty well with Sam Bennett, eh? Oh. <laughs> and I just look at him, I'm like, wow, eh, dad? You're a fucking savage. That's a reach. That's That's just... You're you're an asshole. <laughs> he brings up Sam Bennett, and he's like, "Yeah, well, we got Pasternak. We're fine." I'm like, "You know what? I hope that D you drafted 17th in 2018, Vakainen or whatever. I hope he sucks. I hope he's not like a Chabot because you guys got so fucking lucky." But yeah, this guy is so right with Pasternak. I've watched this guy. This guy could win the Rocket. <laughs> it's not how many he has. What nine goals already? He's at the top with Matthews and Hints. Whoever else is. Yeah, Hints has six goals. Oh. Guy's going to fucking get 30 maybe. He, didn't he have 10 last year though in the playoffs? Like this should not be surprising I guess to us. It's kind of when you look at the party. trajection, I guess it shouldn't. But you know has been a surprise though? Nikolai Ehlers. That's been a guy. <laughs> He's outplayed Connor actually, up. surprisingly. Yeah. And this yeah. guy dropped him. Yeah, yeah it happens. <laughs> Yeah, um, is it safe to say that James Neal is a surprise, or is that like not really fair because he's with McDavid? Yeah, like, kind of expected it, just not to that point with like all these goals. But oh, eh, 40 think, goals, yeah. 40 goals. I don't think it is. Yeah, that's see, that's why. Like everyone's like, oh, James Neal resurgence. I'm like, it's a surprise, but he's with McDavid. So and he's always been good. But it's you, like he's been really he had one. Off, at, he had one yeah. what one off year. Look at his career. He's had 20 goals 11 times. Jesus Christ. He's a good player. <laughs> he had one off here. I'm not saying he's going to fucking come in this year and score 45 goals and win the Rocket. And, oh, it's just James Neal going forward. This is the guy. That, no. Can I be he's honest with you? Situation. I'm going to do two surprises from both of your ends. So from the bat, I'm going to say Alex Radulov has not been good. Um, he looks kind of off because they got Pavelski and Perry. And I feel like that just fucking shot him. Like, like they, it's like literally they took Radulov, put him in the room. And they're like, we're going to shoot both your kneecaps. We got Pavelski and Perry here. They're going to eventually be – now, Corey Perry, I watched highlights from the other night, and he had three points. And he looked way better than Radulov. And that's actually funny to say, but he looked way better. He looked just in the game. He looked engaged. Corey Perry was on a line with Dickinson and Sega in that game, and then the other line was Radulov, Hintz, and Ben, which is supposed to be the, I guess, the best line, but clearly it wasn't. So Radulov, to me, has probably been the biggest disappointment. But when you look at surprises, shit, man, Anthony Mantha didn't think he'd be this good. He's uh, he's looking like a fucking player, like the forecaster. Remember what I mentioned to you when we were doing the pool? The forecaster that book had him getting 40 and 40, and I just looked at it, and I'm like, no, that's not happening. <laughs> I actually kind of started laughing, but I could actually see uh, I could see that kind of happening. I don't see him getting 40 assists, but 40 goals to me is definitely not out of the question with Dylan Larkin feeding you all year, which is um, – Who else is going to do it? Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> like literally when you look at Detroit, it's Mantha and it's Larkin. You look at Edmonton, it's McDavid and Dreisaitl. That's kind of the – it's kind of what's happened in Detroit, and a lot of people 
especially me, Mantha, it's taken him a little longer. He's 25. I don't think anyone expected him to be a 40-40 guy, at least not now in his career. I mean, when he was in the World Juniors dominating, like, okay, yeah, 40 goals, sure. But now it's like, I think he was past that point. But Mantha to me could get 40 this year. And uh, sky's the limit, I think, for that Detroit team once all the pieces come together. But as of right now, Alex Lafreniere, Welcome to the Red Wings. I could see that happening. <laughs> just, just not Ottawa. Not just not Ottawa. I come uh, with the fourth pick again. Connor Brown will get seventy points this year. Calling yes. it now. But moving forward, we got to go to the ring. Uh, we got to talk about what transpired on Raw. Um, I just want to quickly discuss: Is it too soon for Humberto to get this opportunity that he did last night on Raw? I don't think so. You don't think so? I, like, it, the crowd didn't react like they were excited, but I kind of like when they pull guys out of nowhere and you, they throw them on TV and it's the shock factor of, oh, who's this guy? And then you see him for the first time and uh, you put him with a guy like Rollins and right away you, you think, like, oh, this guy must be hot shit. But, yeah, I thought the match was fine that they did. Just, yeah, the crowd wasn't having it at all. And you can really see the way they've been handling Seth based off their reaction. I don't know what they're doing with Seth, though. Are they grooming him to be a heel? I hope so. This is really bad. Because, like, even when, he, even when he beat Humberto and then, like, he went like this to shake his hand. Like, okay, I get that it could be a face where it's like, yeah, here. Like, I respect it. Or it could be like, haha, I beat you. There you go. He was trash talking. That's what I mean. Man. So it's like, yeah, here you go. <laughs> you, you're never going to beat me. I'm Seth. So I don't, I don't know. Like, if Seth is turning heel... He's already a heel. Everyone fucking hates him. So um, it's getting to that point. But I feel like Humberto, he did get drafted really high on Raw. Um, I think we mentioned it two weeks ago where we're like, yeah, we're looking at this roster and it's like 205 live. It's like this has become the wrestling show. You got all the guys under 205 on Raw. You have all the big guys on SmackDown. So Humberto getting this moment to me, I think it's a little soon. Again, you don't have a reaction for a guy. But I don't want to like – I don't want to elevate this guy too much, but do you guys see this guy being a, like an Ali 2.0? Could be. The only thing for um, for them is if they decide to stick with it. Because mm-hmm. we see so many times they're hot on someone for two, three weeks, like a Cedric or a Ricochet or a Buddy, and then they just kind of chill out for the next two months. And then they realize, oh, yeah, he's in the back doing nothing. Let's send it, let's send Andrade out because we have him. So, uh if the, the guy's obviously very talented. It's just a matter of if they're willing to commit to him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't, maybe going against AJ, but all the guys ahead of him, like Alistair Black, Andrade, I don't, I don't see it. I don't like. I don't really know what to think with this guy moving forward. doesn't really have a character. If he feuds with AJ, is he the face? I, that, that's safe to assume he is. Again, when you have a guy, though, debut against Seth Rollins, come up short, it's a big moment for the guy that's debuting. I want to talk about a guy that debuted last week, and uh, he got squashed. And he was the former cruiserweight champion, Drew Gulak. Out of any uh, – now, I'm going to go from the side. So, JD from New York, you know, I love him. He, he talks about wrestling. He's a great guy. He bashed the shit out of SmackDown last week just based off of out of any guy in the back, any guy, and this is WWE, we're talking millions of superstars in the back. You're telling me that you go and get Drew Gulak to come out and get squashed by Braun Strowman just to elevate 
a Saudi program. Now, to me, that is absolutely absurd. I want to voice my frustrations, but first, I want your guys' opinions on this. Wh- why do you think they would do this with Drew? Uh, literally, just uh, what you said to boost Braun for the uh, Saudi thing. But I don't. I really don't think they were thinking about who we're putting them up against. It's just we have to do this for Braun, so Drew will be the guy. But I, I hate it for Drew because the last year he's uh, he's really come into his own. I love his PowerPoint presentations. <laughs> the guy's a killer in the ring, submission specialist. I hope they don't do him dirty on SmackDown. I really don't. That's just – but, like, you're looking at how Ali came up. And you're looking at how Buddy came up. And why why did Drew have to get this treatment, though? Because he was having the best year, and then it's like, yeah, you know what? We have a guy like a Heath Slater in the back. We have a guy like a Titus in the back. We have all these jobbers in the back. But you know what? We're going to give it to Drew. Drew, go out there and lose to Braun in a minute. Okay, sure. That'll be my debut on Fox. <laughs> so I really don't know what they're doing with Drew Gulak. If this means career out the window, done. I'm requesting my release. I have no idea. But Alino, do you agree with uh, how they uh, – Spared poor Drew Gulak on SmackDown. Yes. You agree with it. Remember at SummerSlam when he came out, how over he was with the crowd a little bit? (laughs) They were a little behind him. So I thought, okay, Braun Strowman needs a tough challenge. Who better than the former Cruiserweight champion, as he brought up even on the mic, Drew Gulak. But first, the PowerPoint thing. So they use that a little bit as a scapegoat. Okay, Braun caught him off guard. But next time they wrestle, Braun Strowman, you better watch out. True Gulak's coming. This guy's laughing while saying it. <laughs> That's not happening. Yeah, that was horrible. Though. Yeah. I did him like that. One of the worst things. Um, <laughs> are you guys excited at all for Saudi? I don't even know who's <laughs> like, you have, like You have Tyson Fury and Braun Strowman. Undefeated Tyson Fury. <laughs> I'm, going with, I'm going with a double DQ finish. Got to protect both guys. Cain Velasquez hasn't wrestled a WWE match taking on Brock Lesnar. Big Show's warning Cain. Watch out. Brock's a big, bad man. Smart Big Show. Big Show <laughs> bringing up 03. Oh, we broke the ring fucking a decade, two decades ago. <laughs> Why? Okay, but here's my thing. You have Ray come back on Raw. Uh, yeah, thanks, guys. You know, uh, Dominic's doing great. You know, he's uh, he's getting better. Thank you for all your support. And then Shelton, Shelton, Shelton Benjamin comes out, and I'm, I'm watching this. I'm like, is this 05? What what year is this? Comes out, belittles Ray like a like Ray's like a ten year old kid, and then Cain Velasquez comes out looking like Ray's dad, and puts on probably the most awkward mat based wrestling I've seen. Like two minutes of him just grabbing him and just going like this. Little jabs <laughs> and Michael Cole, or was it Cole? Vic Joseph. No, Vic Joseph selling it. Oh my God! No one's ever manhandled Sheldon Benjamin like that before. <laughs> I'm sitting there laughing, and I'm like, this build for this show can't get any worse. You have two types of matches that are just, to, to me, it's just it's an X. It's a fail. I don't see these segments being any better than what we saw with Shane winning the best in the world. Kane and Kane and Undertaker putting on the worst thing I've ever seen. Goldberg and Taker 
To me, this is going to be awful. Please tell me you guys agree. I just went off for like two minutes. Uh, to an extent, I think I think either way it should be a step up over the last show because of. Oh, I don't even know if I I don't even know if I want to say that because that went off the tracks real quick. But uh, <laughs> yeah, you have Kane and Brock. That's I mean, like there's there's a yeah. story there to look forward to. Uh, they're playing the whole family thing with, uh, <laughs> <laughs> when, Shelton, when Shelton came out, honestly, playing the whole family thing. That was probably my favorite part of Raw when Shelton came out and he was talking for two minutes. I loved it. Awesome. I loved oh, it. We're never going to see this again. Talk about your past with Brock. And I like that build. That up. was so, cool. Yeah. So there's actually continuity there. The five on five tag match. I just, it's just a big comedy act to me. Like, I don't care. I'm just excited to see Nate and Hogan yeah, just do their little... stupid thing. <laughs> it's tough because we know none of this, most of this shit is not going to translate to the TV the next week. It's just going to be, okay, that was a nice show. That's it. Let's forget about everything that happened. Yeah. So it's kind of hard to get fans in, as invested as they want to be. I mean, that's the best part of Raw right there. Shelton coming out. And just basically bullying him, be like, oh, yeah, you know, I, I know I know how bad Brock is. I was his tag partner. I trained Brock Lesnar. It's like, oh, yeah. It's like, okay, cool. Now get so Like, you're doing all this. Why don't you get in the ring and start a program? You know? <laughs> but, again, it's not on him. But, again, talking about the family and Ray coming back and Ray on Raw and Ray with Kane and holy shit, man. I don't think Ray has ever gotten this much attention since 06 <laughs> with the same fucking storyline. You know, Eddie, man, family, Eddie, my family, Dominic, my family. Like, fuck, man. Okay, your family. <laughs> you're not even involved in the WWE title. You're involved in the WWE title picture. What, are you going to be ringside? What, is it going to be Kane, Dominic, and Ray versus Brock, Shelton? So it's going to be Brock's family versus <laughs> Kane's family or Ray's family with Kane facing Brock. For, I don't even know, man. I think Shelton's going to get involved and probably cost Il Padrino. <laughs> a match and Brock wins. I have to get that in. And then you're going to have Brock and Shelton become the tag champs. Yeah. And maybe have Brock face Ray at Survivor Series. Oh my Ray's going to step yeah. up for the Familia. And, and lose in a minute. Lose in a minute. What That's what you got to uh, do. What was their tag team name? The Minnesota Wrecking Crew? Yeah, yeah that's that what it, it was. OBW. That's old school. <laughs> Let's do it. Have Brock do a shooting star press for old time's sake. <laughs> oh my god can you imagine that i think for this show though they could have just done ravers brock for that kind of fan base in saudi arabia who don't know anything about what's currently going on and then you could have sold that for brock versus kane that survivor series but they don't know how to do things over there they Let's don't know everyone shit. together on a five-hour show in the afternoon yeah it's you know what it's going to be funny looking at the results and reviewing it with you guys after this saudi shit show that's been happening for what two years now a year and a half two years i just hope that this show is at least bearable i know the hogan and flair thing's probably going to be the highlight that's going to be jokes because there's a lot of guys in that too because last night like seeing flair bring out drew mcintyre was probably the most hyped thing i've seen in a long time he's like this guy is a wheeling dealing limousine riding and his face like is just purple it looks like he's gonna die it's like this this guy's losing breath like can you breathe Kissing and then all the girls are making him cry and then Ooh. drew comes out Wait, he, he Dolph was coming out for a second oh, like, what yeah. the fuck's he talking about <laughs> and then drew comes out you would think he's like he can't get any more sculpted and he comes out and he just looks even bigger and it's like 
please, can you finally get a push? <laughs> so this is my question. Is he finally going to get a push, you think, following this? Well, let's hope this so. This is a damn yeah. good introduction. <laughs> uh, it's a, Yeah, it's, it's decent. It's just because it's on the Saudi show. It's kind of people look at that and be like, oh, you bring him back for this. But if he can do some damage in that match, and that's one of the few things that they take over back to Raw and they can promote that, let's get going here with Drew. I hope so. Just uh, even meeting him in person. This guy's a nice guy. Loves his family. Loves his career. Passionate pro. Give him the title run. Deserves it. I just feel like kind of like what you just said with Ray taking on Brock. I feel like they should have waited with Drew, if anything. Because you're doing, you know, you have Survivor Series, the five-on-five matches. Probably just just bring Drew back then and basically do what Roman Reigns did in 2014. Have him obliterate the whole team. And that's how you fucking make a star. Because remember when... Survivor Series 2014 might be one, or no, sorry, 2013 might be one of the worst pay-per-views I've ever watched. The main event was Big Show versus Randy Orton for the WWE title. Man. And the only thing I remember from that show is they made Roman Reigns a fucking star. <laughs> he eliminated four of the five guys, and the last guy I think he eliminated was Rand, was uh, Rey Mysterio. Oh, was that with Cody? And yeah, he he eliminated. Oh, it was God. like four or a four on two or four on one, and he eliminated all of them. And it's like, that's how you make a fucking star. Do that with Drew, except don't have that Survivor Series pay-per-view as bad as 2013. Let's go! We got it! Remember last year we thought they were going to do that with Drew? And he took Joe out first? And we're like, this is it. And And then then that was it after? Yeah. Who did he get eliminated by? Was it Triple H? No, Triple H was on his same team. Was that Kurt Angle? uh, Yeah, that was was the fucking shit show. Just had Team TNA versus WWE at that point. (laughs) No, wasn't that two years ago? Wasn't Stroman last year like wasn't Str- yeah last year was no that was two years ago I think Strowman and Triple H it might have been last so. year then for Drew yeah can't remember why just I just remember he eliminated Joe right away that was last year and, and we were like okay this is it and then he did nothing after that yeah it was two years ago that when they had it was like such a big deal Bobby Roode and Triple H in the ring I remember that yeah the face off I was yeah. like. Okay. No, it was Rude and Orton too when they yeah. faced off. I was like, oh, all right. My long lost brother. Yeah. Never thought this would happen. Let's do it. <laughs> but yeah, okay. Now we got to get into. I want to get into AEW. Talk about last week's uh, main event. Yeah, Darby Allen, 23 year old hot shot kid, getting his uh, AEW title match against the Painmaker. What were your thoughts on this? Uh, I thought it was pretty slow to start, but it picked up after. As soon as. This guy had his hands tied behind his back. He was uh, doing as much as he could. Um, we all knew that Darby was not winning it, but it was damn uh, entertaining. What are your thoughts on the this stable <laughs> that Chris Jericho's put together? The inner circle. The inner circle with I, uh, what's the name? Jack Hag. What's is it? Jack? Hagar. Hagar. <laughs> okay. I thought it was Hagar at first. You Jack Swagger. The- Just say Jack. And Swagger. he's fighting soon too, so his schedule is uh, picking up. I think he fights Friday oh. or Saturday. All right. So he's undefeated. Well, fighting. I don't know if he's going to be fighting because his opponent has a record that we could probably get in the cage and fight him. But, yeah, should <laughs> oh, be God. fun. But, yeah, um, how long do you guys think uh, Jericho holds his title for? Because I, I don't see him really losing it anytime soon. I keep rolling with it. I mean, you got to roll. You got to continue to reel people in. AEW is still fresh uh, with their TV deal. Jericho is doing an amazing job. You got this new stable now with all this uh, fresh young talent, so he's more interesting than ever. I'd keep the title on him for uh, the time being. Yeah, probably, I'd say February, March, if you're going to build someone up, but 
keep the title on them for now. Uh, the ratings are consistent, not like SmackDown where they're losing a million viewers and losing 500,000 viewers the next week. <laughs> AEW just had 1.4. They lost maybe 400,000, but then it's still it in that range of like 1.4. So it's strong right now. Keep it going with Jericho. If there's one thing about AEW um, that you want to see, I mean, I, I'm looking at this as where the hell is Kenny Omega and why the hell is he not in the main event? I, that's my that's been my question to myself ever since this whole company started. It's like, why is he not your guy? Like, why is it Jericho? Like, that's my biggest question is why has it been Jericho over Omega, over guys like Pac, Adam? Like, that's my biggest – like, I know Jericho brings a publicity. He's, like, the most well-known. But, man, like, to me, Kenny Omega has to be the next AEW champ. That's my opinion. That's how I would probably book it. Because he, to me, he's still probably the best in the world. He's probably gonna. To me, it's Kenny Omega. He's gonna eventually get there. But it goes back to when we were talking about that Double or Nothing show, and you guys were saying Jericho or Page, and I was the one guy saying Page. So it's it's back to the reason why you guys said Jericho and why he's he's had the title for so long because there's really no one else, as great as everyone is, no one else under that roster that's gonna bring people in like Jericho can. Yeah, exactly. I just I, even with John Moxley, his role it's kind of we saw him come back at uh at the first uh what was it what was the fucking paper you called the first one uh, double or nothing yeah yeah when double so yeah when he came back well he debuted at double or nothing and it's like okay uh, we'll see what happens with John Moxley he was one of the hottest acts and the uh, you know and and then all of a sudden guys like Darby Allen come up and it's like shit we got a fucking division cody rhodes is there too to me i think Pac is probably the most valuable when i look at all in all like a big picture type thing i look at Pac, i look at omega would you put darby in that because he's 23 years old he's very young i don't know if you'd put him in that kind of valuable asset but moving forward what are your thoughts also on Rio? She she's uh she's the she's the women's champion. She uh did, wait, did she, is she still the champion? Yeah, she beat Britt Baker. Yeah, she, yeah. Bit, she beat Britt, Britt Baker. I was saying to this guy when she had the shot, I'm like, this is Britt Baker's division. <laughs> this is this is just Rio holding on to it for now. But Rio has actually been amazing. She's been with Ketch. She's been wrestling since what, 6, 7 years old. Yeah, they're fucking crazy. Yeah, they're wrestling. crazy. It's like, yeah, you going to be wrestler. Go in there. Do it. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, um, I think Britt Baker's winning the title soon. I don't know when, but it's happening because uh, uh, she's uh, Adam Cole's piece. And, uh, that's literally it. No, I'm kidding. I'm, I'm not going to get into that level. But uh, Britt Baker, ever since AEW started as a whole company, I'm looking at all the, all the women, and I'm like, yep, she's the one that stands out. She's the one that's probably going to bring the most tickets. Britt Baker's your star. That's my opinion. She's going to win the title eventually. But, man, this tag team tournament is looking very, very entertaining. Marco Stunt being on uh, AEW. Um, a lot of people actually didn't like it because he's so small. And it's like, what the fuck's this guy doing here doing all these flips and shit? This guy's just another Kalisto. What are you guys' thoughts on Marco Stunt? I really think they dropped the ball here. Jungle Boy is a guy who's you should have done that with instead of Marco Stunt because he was actually in the team with Luchasaurus. So if you had Jungle Boy do all those high spots and make him stick out, it'd probably be more beneficial for his career. But now the Lucha Bros took all those uh, 
Moose and Marco's stunt. It leaves Jungle Boy out of the picture because now people are going to want to see, oh, that Jungle Boy's coming up, but we want to see Marco's stunt, not Jungle Boy. So kind of uh, counterproductive over there with that. I think everyone was under the impression it was going to be a boy and his dinosaur because that's what the bracket <laughs> said. And then they, uh, I like Marco's stunt. He does what he can. He's a very small guy. It's not like he's going to go in there and I don't know what people are expecting. He's five feet, so people complain about all the flips and stuff. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah, I think Jungle Boy's the star. The guy's amazing. Uh, I guess we got to see what's next because, yeah, I'm a little floored by that one. Uh, actually, I'm reading right here, right now, that Kenny Omega actually just became the AAA Mega Champion. Yeah. He beat Ray Phoenix for it. So, not it hasn't been a good it hasn't been a good uh, year that much for the Lucha Bros, eh? Um, <laughs> Losing titles left, right, and center. Uh, I still think they could probably win this uh, this tournament. They beat out Jungle Boy and Marco Stun on the uh, on the show. I still want the Dark Order to win this because I still th- feel like out of every team, they are the most like mysterious. It's like who the fuck is this team? We have no idea. Put the tag belts on them. We'll see what happens. That's we all. Then we all have different teams. I had the Dark Order. You had, you had Private Party, yeah, and, private party. And, and you had Private Party. Private Party in the Dark Order. Who beat the Young Bucks in the first round. Yeah. I think we should mention that. We, they did. Now that's a win Lucha for me and Alino. Yeah. I feel like that's one of the more relieving things, too, because we've just seen the Lucha Bros and Young Bucks. So far, yeah. So, yeah. like, seeing another team win, it's like, thank God. <laughs> like, you have other teams on the roster here. Let's, let's start getting some matchups going. You got the best friends in there. Everyone likes them. But yeah, my th- my thoughts moving forward. Again, why am I reading on online that Seth Rollins Uh-oh. is We're calling happy. is calling out Kenny Omega and AEW again? When was this? Today. <laughs> what did yeah. he say? Look, yeah, look, right here. Kenny Omega right here, right here. Ready? Where oh. is it? Good luck with that. Seth one. Rollins calls out AEW and Kenny Omega. Seth Rollins calls AEW the minor leagues of pro wrestling. You know what? If it's not WWE, it's the minor leagues. Okay. That's the old school mentality there. <laughs> I think Seth Rollins is just a big fat troll, and he wants everyone <laughs> to hate him. I think it's getting to that point now where he's like, I'm the fucking guy. Fuck all of you. Hate me. His Twitter game is unique, I'll say. Yeah. So bad his promos aren't unique. up to being unique. Because Ric Flair is, what, like 70-something? Ric Flair's a god. And he showed him how to control a crowd. You know Ric Flair can't wrestle. But I wanted to see Ric Flair on Raw. Seth Rollins got on the microphone and did his stupid crap every week, burning down a house. I don't want to see him wrestle. I want to see Ric Flair in the ring. You know what? Before we actually end it, we talked about AEW. I want to just go back quickly to WWE. What were your thoughts last week on him burning down uh, the Firefly Funhouse? Because I feel like from a booking standpoint, that's just awful. That's one of the worst things you could probably do. Uh, Just – yeah, I don't know. I don't know if this signifies a heel turn. I don't know if this signifies that he's evil because apparently you have to be evil to go in there. So I have no idea. But yeah, what were your guys' thoughts on that? We'll just close uh, it with that, with Rollins I, I and think, the Fiend. Yeah, when I saw that, I kind of thought that like the program's over because like the Fiend's on SmackDown now, and then Seth's on Raw, and he, you know he faced Umberto last week, and he, he kind of got the feeling that things are maybe moving on, and, and I think it uh it did signal at a heel turn. Because we're seeing a side of Seth that I haven't really seen for a few years now. So, uh, 
Yeah, I think it's time for both of them to move on. It, it was not successful in any means. So start over. <laughs> it's just what the, the problem with the Seth Heel turn is who would his first opponent be for the title? You know what? They got See? brought up uh, Umberto before, and then they showed like um, – you know when they show like video packages or they just bring up people's names? Like, oh, also on Raw? Alistair Black. They had Alistair Black, they had yeah. Ricochet, and they had Cedric. So you know what? Just throw one of those guys up because they've been teased for so long. Everyone knows who they are, but it's not like an Umberto. Kevin Owens, maybe? Could be. I think he's in a feud with AJ moving uh-huh. forward after what we saw yesterday, which is I am not opposed to that Randy at all. Orton. <laughs> <laughs> but the Firefly Funhouse is coming back apparently on SmackDown this week so maybe he Bray Wyatt has a new house or he rebuilt <laughs> it and it looks more psychotic of a new bunny rambling rabbit too everyone would just be taped back together yeah I hope his his uh, Mr. Rogers character is a little more deranged now yeah like a little more on edge now because his house got burned down I just want to see that like he'd like still be very like uppity and like psycho but like be a little fucking like have more dark moments yeah my house burned down so my house was I, I just love like when like they zoom in on his face you're just like and then he smiles after <laughs> bye <laughs> yeah but yeah that's basically it for this week we covered a lot of shit covered uh, NHL NBA tonight make sure to watch Siakam drop 70 mm-hmm. <laughs> that's a bold one yeah that no he'll drop like fucking 30 I'll say yeah. I'll say the guy that stands out tonight though Freddie Van Fleet Ooh. I say he'll drop five threes, calling that. I'm going with OG Ananobi. It's his time now. You watch. A lot of people are saying he's actually Kawhi, like 2.0, yeah. like with the interviews. Okay, problem solved. It's too bad he wasn't <laughs> on the team in the playoffs because those guys would have been dangerous. But. Let's just say he had a hell of a year too. Yeah. Like his his dad passed away. Like he was just – he had a fucking awful year. So I think if there's anybody that has to – bounce back and has like all the momentum and all like the what's it called the drive it's OG just imagine and he's gonna Kawhi. go off 2.0 oh, oh my god it's like yeah well, Kawhi left but we got the younger Kawhi <laughs> it's all part of the plan yeah <laughs> well that's it for this week that was the year anniversary stay tuned for episode 53 when we most likely bash the Saudi show take it easy boys
um, trying to be better than me. I would love everybody uh, obsessing about it, thinking about it constantly. How can we get to that spot? Um, or they can just avoid wrestling and you know drink coffee on the sidelines. They can do that too. Whatever's gonna, whatever's gonna uh, uh, help them. But what I would like for the vision is I want everybody chasing that top spot, that main event spot. Because I can't main event by myself. I can't main event by myself. And once you've got a taste of main eventing, I don't want to let that go. I want to main event every single year. So I want people to step up so that they can fight me. Just in your career right now, everything you've accomplished, yourself, if you, if a younger version of yourself walked into a performance center right now and saw you, the established version, what advice would you give that young person? Oh, trust yourself. Trust yourself. Don't doubt yourself. Um, that's it. I think that's, I've always been my biggest enemy, you know, in, in that regard, is that uh, I doubted myself way too much, and then by doing that, I let other people down. Never again. by the eight minute match. It's not about the eight minute match, it's about the eight week build. It's about telling stories. The reason I'm the man is because I do that better than anyone. But it, it, it's, it's the fact that we are able to go out there and, 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 and sell these stories in, in conflict. Because what is more engaging than conflict? And, and to, to be able to fight that out, there's, there's no better thing in the world. Uh, your uh, broken nose uh, was important in the build of the construction of the man. Oh, 100%. For the re one, it just looked cool. Uh, two, I think. Uh, so I was running on autopilot. I was, I was knocked out. I was out on my feet. I don't I have no recollection of any of that. So my like subconscious took over. And if anything, I think it just showed the world that every part of me, including my subconscious, is also a badass. And can beat Ronda Rousey, not dead. Literally in my sleep, I can beat Ronda Rousey. And uh, last one for me, did you like to show in the WWE storyline your real relationship with uh, Seth Rollins? So here's the thing, Seth Rollins, the love of my life to like the best the best in the in the world right of what he does absolutely incredible the way that I looked at it is oh my god if I was a fan and I saw two of the best the male and the female best fighting together side by side I would into that and if you know we're in a relationship you know if you know you know but of course mentioned every five minutes in case you didn't know and I think that was a little off-putting because people don't want to they don't want to see the man needing a man they don't want to see Seth Rollins needing anybody else because we're two powerful 
entities on our own and fighting side by side like okay I got your back you got my back let's do this let's beat the bejesus out of these people that's cool when it's all about our freaking relationship and that's forced nobody was into that am I wrong? am I wrong? no everybody was like we get it we don't need to be told shut the hell up sometimes I think we over explain things where it's just like let's let people make their own minds and then whatever opinions they have that's their opinion and let's go with them but anyway so yes working with him is the best he's awesome being reminded to the world every five minutes not so much some of your rivalries uh, and the current one with Natty. I mean, it, it must be hard when you are technically friends outside the ring and outside everything to really go at that person and say the things that you say in camera. How does that affect your your day to day? I'm not here to make friends. I'm here to make. I'm here to make a legacy for myself. I'm here to make money for myself. Um, and if they if they appreciate what I'm doing, if they can understand how good of a friend I am, I'm making them a lot more money. I'm giving them a lot more prestige. So so toughen up a little bit. This is the conflict business, and, and, and we're we're selling conflict. So if you can't hack it, get your jacket because that's what this business is about. So really, I'm the best friend that anybody has, even Ronda Rousey, because I'm giving her more publicity. Uh, you're on the cover of the video game now, that uh, trailer, amazing, both the glass ceiling coming in. When you look at your career, is it kind of surreal now when you see everything that, like the action figures and the video game and all that? I think I, think I hadn't really let any of it sink in until we were filming that commercial and, and the talk about like, okay, Hogan's going to be there and Steve is going to be there and... And, and, and it was just like, oh, oh, they're all going to be watching the man do her thing because the man's taking over now. And then that kind of hit me like, oh, my God, these are all your heroes from when you were a kid. And now you're walking in and taking over for reals, for reals. And I think it, it kind of hit me because I'm always like, okay, what's the next step? What's the next strategy? Um, but yeah, it hit me, it hit me doing that for sure. Think of someone that you, you are kind of trying to emulate from your youth who, who, as a wrestler. Who do you think that? I don't know that there is one. I don't, I because I'm not trying to be anybody like, yeah, I take influence. And we're all influenced by different people. Like, so, the Dynamite Kid, Tiger Mask, uh, Mick Foley. Um, I mean, there's always a comparison to Stone Cold. Uh, Lita was my hero as a kid. Like, all these people that uh, I'm sure have influenced me in some shape or form, but I've never set out to be like, I want to be like 